Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Where'd the words go? Thin stereo. Probably. Oh, I was like, well, I forgot about that. DGS on Thursday. Yeah, they said it really quiet. <laughs> DGS on Thursday. Dave will be back on January 2nd. Uh, Rachel, Andrew, Kevin here, and I did it again. Third person reference to myself. <laughs> Kevin here. Hi. Hi. Kevin says that uh, we should be talking. Um, a couple of things. There's a story we didn't get. I'm, I'm not going to. I don't want to get too much into the the nerdy part of it because, you know, Dave and I usually are the ones that nerd out about this. And I don't want to drag you guys into that if you don't want to go. But have you seen the development this week when it comes to nuclear fusion? Have you seen anything about that? I've only seen what you uh, wrote about on our Google document. So that's the extent of my knowledge. Right. About so it. a year ago at the uh, National Ignition Facility, which is in Livermore, California, um, they they actually were able to induce a fusion reaction. Okay. And one that would put out more energy than it requires to make the reaction happen, and, right? And that's, that's kind been, of been a big problem. Has that been the ultimate goal? Yes, and, and so they did that last year. They've now just recently done it two more times, so they have now shown that they can repeat the process of nuclear fusion that will put that will output more energy than you have to put in to make the reaction happen, which is kind of the breakthrough that they've been waiting for because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter if you can do it if it costs more energy than it's going to put out. And this is like it, it, all of the people I, I've seen so many different opinions. I've read a bunch of scientific journal stories saying that this is really a big deal. And as long as they can eventually scale it up and it can become a little, become even more efficient, that this could be basically clean, limitless energy moving forward. And the part that I want to bring up with you guys is how is it possible this isn't a bigger story? Shouldn't this be a really big deal that we've now that we've now shown that we can mm. repeat a process that at some point and now maybe it's because we can't do it yet and it doesn't have any real world impact on us at the moment. I think that's the thing. The thing that you have to wait for is you have to wait for not just the ability the ability to do it is exciting and it is a story, but when it becomes a giant story that you have to cover all over the place uh, I think is when it has like a practical application, right? We have invented a nuclear fusion light bulb that will never need to be replaced and doesn't use any electricity or something like that. You know what I mean? I think that's when it becomes the end-all be-all story. 
Right, and I'm not saying it should be an end-all, be-all, but it should be something that is prominent. Well, it'd be, I mean, if, if they've created, like, renewable energy, that's like... Well, that's what this would be. That's what I'm saying. That'd be, assuming, like, the biggest story Assuming they're going to be able to scale it up now that they've shown that they can repeat the process mm -hmm. over and over again. And I guess my big beef about the way we treat things like that is there's always something more Jerry Springer-ish that we want to be talking about. Like, news exists seemingly only to cover politics at this point, especially the news on TV, right? I mean, when you when you turn on a TV news network, what are you going to see 90% of the time? Politics. I mean, what's on the screen right now on CNN? It's political. Glass. Right? When you see, if you turn on MSNBC, Fox News, you're going to see more politics than actual news of things that are happening. And I do think that, that that's part of what puts us into this mindset where we miss... Like good stories that actually do matter and could make a huge difference. Will they make a difference tomorrow? Well, no, but we don't we don't highlight importance of stories. We highlight what's going to make people keep their eyeballs on the television set, which usually means either playing to anger or picking a side and, and, and giving people the fix of, oh, yeah, they agree with me. That's what I want to watch. I mean, we want to give people their fix of one of those two things either anger or, I guess, the sense of belonging, mm -hmm. more than we want to tell the story of what's actually happening in the world. I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I understand it because we're emotional creatures and people that there are plenty of people. People always want to put it like, oh, the big bad media. Well, it's not just the media. It's advertising. It's politicians themselves. It's all kinds of people that know that we're manipulated more easily with emotion than we are with intelligence or with information, right? Information is secondary. Emotion is primary. And I really don't, I don't, I don't know how to say this other than we need to reverse that. We need to reverse that somehow, but it's not going to happen until we, and we know we talk about this all the time with, with voting and politics. We have to decide as a group of people that we're going to change our behaviors. But what do you guys think the odds are of that? That we're going to stop saying, no, 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 I want my chocolate cake for dinner. I don't want to eat my chicken and broccoli. Yeah. I don't, want to, I don't want the good stuff. I only want dessert. I only want the mm -hmm. emotional rush that I get from either being angry at what I'm seeing on my TV or fired up because I agree with what I'm seeing on my TV rather than understanding, man, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff out there that I'd be way better off knowing and it would actually help my life to not be stressed out all the time and angry all the time. I would be better off if I did see, holy crap, it's at least possible in the foreseeable future that energy will no longer be an issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you need people to change their behavior and you also need, but, you know, like you said, I don't know that that's really going to happen because I do think the average person is not thinking about it beyond, you know, the surface level, beyond those emotions. Uh, because they're busy and they, you know, it's like, I think we think about this a lot because we're in media, well, we so we're swimming in things. those waters. Yeah, yeah. And we're we spend every day looking for yeah. topics to discuss, so we're actually fishing for it as opposed to just receiving what's coming in. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I do wonder if cable news is just going to be a thing of the past in the next 20 years. You know, we complain about it so much and, you know, it causes so many problems, 
But I just, I can't see Generation Z like getting home from the end of the day and flipping on Fox. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe the Fox yeah. TikTok channel, but you know what I mean? But yeah. not like, let me sit here and watch this TV for all this time. So I mean, there is some hope. I'm sure it'll just, you know, be condensed and put into a quicker, even more harmful format. But cable news, I think, will will die at some point. I didn't when I was younger. You know what I mean? I didn't go home and, and think I should turn on the news or I should inform myself or, or you know what I mean? Well, what I'm saying is when when this younger generation even gets older, I think they'll be so used to consuming short oh, form yeah. content oh, yeah. that like this medium isn't even really going to survive. I agree with that. It, I could be wrong, but. Well, and I think I part, part of the problem, though, is that we, I think we have pretty good evidence that that's already happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, just with the, the existence of doom scrolling. I mean, you're, people are always seeing things, and they just keep on seeing, and they keep. You want to keep going through it. Uh, you're you're going story after story, or video after video, and when the algorithms are picking up the things that you've already watched, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get more of what you already have shown them that you care about. Which is one thing if you're looking at puppies and kittens, or you're watching like I do prank videos or whatever. It's another thing entirely if you get your political information uh, uh, from TikTok, for example, where you know the the algorithm will feed you more of what it what you show it that you like right i mean the more you look at something or if you search something it's going to give you more of those things and that might be even more dangerous than what we yeah. have just because at least on tv you have to pick the channel go to that channel turn it on and then sit down and watch it versus you know you might be looking at i i don't look at tiktok and say you know what i really want i want to see this i usually just kind of go through and see what pops up well, if I've if I've told it all I want is this type of story. If I all I want is this side of the aisle is bad, and I'm looking for that, and I search that out. Well, that guess what? what I'm going to get a huge percentage of those things with no filter, with no um, warning that this person may or may not know what they're talking about, that they have no credentials. And I've seen some some people who are creators that are really good, like they're really good at sending a message. They're good communicators. But they don't know what they're talking about. They're just making things up or they're spreading a conspiracy. And I don't know. Man, I think you're right, Rach. I think it's going to be a different pattern of behavior, but I'm not sure it's going to change that. So, okay, I'm not trying to be like a contrarian or something, but why do you think that consuming content like that is or do you think that's more dangerous than, say, going to a party with like-minded people and, hey, we everybody at this party hates the right, so we're just going to be trashing Republicans this whole mm-hmm. time because this is what we talk about. Is that really any different than, like, all right, I'm going to go home and seek out this kind of content on my phone? Probably not. I mean, aside from just the it's a, the fact that it's a human interaction, mm-hmm. but probably no different. Except that I don't – the only I guess the only difference would be – I don't think that happens as often as you can sit in your home and look at your phone and scroll through and see all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And man, I, I don't know. I don't really have an answer for it. Like, I don't think we need to get rid of social media because there's also a lot of good elements to it. I guess I'd have to go back to at least as a partial solution. And this is, again, where partly where we are broken to a degree. But we don't teach these things in school. We haven't adapted to that overall. Like, don't you guys think, I mean, just thinking about what you learned in school and how different the world was when you were school age, so high school and younger, wouldn't it have been helpful looking at it now if you had had more, like whether it's 
classes on the real world and finances and how do you do you know what does this what does it mean when you're in the stock market what does it mean to invest in a 401k wouldn't it be helpful now in that same vein to be teaching literacy like social media and media literacy so you understand how you can make sure that you're not going to fall into the traps like that would be a great subject for high school kids to learn about is like here are the things that they're doing. Here's how they're doing them. Here's why they're doing them. And it shouldn't be a thing you don't learn until you get older because your your patterns of your habits are forming, your opinions and beliefs are forming when you're younger. But we don't teach, at least at least to my knowledge, it's not a, like a core curriculum thing to understand how communications work. Mm-hmm. That would be an incredibly valuable skill set, more than a lot of the stuff that you're forced to learn in school. Because that would help you navigate all of these things that we're talking about. And at this point, it's and, and I understand part of this, too. They say that schools can't teach everything. Parents need to teach this, too. But we also have a generation, you know, we have generation gaps in what parents actually know themselves. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, my generation is the first one that even had the Internet when you were somewhat young. Right. Anything before me, my parents didn't have the Internet until they were in their 40s. So they had 40 years of life before that. The Internet was a thing when I was in my early 20s. So, you know, Gen X is one of the and some of the younger Gen X's would be even more further back along those lines. Your generation, millennials, you guys are the first ones where it's been there since you were kids, since you were born, since you were babies. And obviously every younger one will all come up with that. But there are there's a really reasonable argument to be made that boomers and Gen Xers, we are not as well educated on those things as we would need to be to make sure that our kids can all miss that stuff. And again, some people are more than other. I'm just talking about generalities. It would be a great thing to see implemented in schools that would be important when you think about how do you handle interpersonal relation or interactions on social media? How do you learn to filter what's real? What, did I, I don't know if I said it on the air or if we were talking about it off the air, but Everything I see on TikTok that relates to a news item, a political belief, scientific belief, anything that is making a claim, I always double check it. I don't just go, wow, that's an interesting fact. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Who is this person? Do they know what they're talking about? What sources are they citing? Can I go find that somewhere else in a reputable place? Maybe that's the journalism school you know, habits that, that I was taught in college. I think it'd be great to have that for everybody, for everybody to be trained how to do that starting when you're a teenager. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. it would be really nice because you don't want, you want the internet to be something that we use as a tool as opposed to something that's just happening to us. And sometimes it just feels like it's, it's this force of nature that is just happening to us and human behavior is changing majorly because of this thing that we don't really understand and don't know how to harness and not we, the internet but you know what i'm saying like just, just that wild that world that it internet. opens up yeah mm-hmm. and you think of all the other areas the other things that can cause significant trouble right uh when you're i'm talking about when you're a teenager when you're a kid coming up i mean you have to really work and be trained how to drive a car you're taught the right way you get to practice in safe safe environments you take classes you watch videos same thing, I think, for people who kids kids who grow up learning how to handle a gun. You don't just go get one and have had no training and then know what you're doing. You know, you have to be taught. You, and whether you're doing it as an adult or as a kid, and everybody that is a gun owner will talk about how 
important it is to understand those things. How do you handle it safely? How do you keep it clean? Where do you keep it? Like all of these things are important. This stuff is every bit as important. Learning to navigate the digital world in a meaningful way so that you don't fall for scams, you don't fall for misinformation, you don't you don't end up just getting sucked in because something grabs your attention. You have to be trained to be able to handle that. You're not born with that skill. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Right back in on DGS. I looked at the rundown a second ago, Rach, and the first thing I see from Andrew on there is, I almost got in a fight this morning that I started. Almost oh. got in a fight that you I started. almost started a fight? I did. So I went to my beloved Panera. To you get, the get your, you got to get, get your death lemonade and bagels. And uh, my wife went in to get all the stuff. I stayed in the car. And the, the, we had to park next to this guy who had taken up two spots with his big stupid, you know, he had like a like a Cadillac or something. Some big stupid rich guy thing. <laughs> okay. And so I'm already I'm already hating this guy cuz he's taken up all this space whatever. Then he comes out, it's this older guy, he's got his coffee, he's got his uh, newspaper. And I think I'm going to say something to him. And then I'm like, "You know what? No, I'm not. Who cares? It's not worth it. Who cares?" So he opens his he opens his door to get in his car and he swings the door out and it slams into my car. Oh, that's where And now of I'm it. like, "Oh, now I've got to say something." So I roll down the window. I go, "Come on, man." And he was like, oh, I'm so, well, I, I didn't mean to do it. And I was like, I thought the whole point of taking up two spots with your stupid effing uh, uh, car Andrew. is to, yeah, is so that you don't hit somebody <laughs> with your stupid effing door while you're, while you're getting into it. I would think that that would be the reason why you did it. And he was like, I'm not trying to do, I, w- I didn't even mean to park whatever. Like he just started like yelling. And the thing is, I think some people are too far. This guy was. Probably like how I would define an old person, like late seventies, early eighties. He was clearly he's too far gone. He's never going to come around to my way of thinking. <laughs> right? Well, hold 
on. This what? whole thing is you're going also, terribly for you. You're what? also being so aggressive. Like, of course he's not going to come around to your way of thinking. Yeah, you well, immediately started cursing at him. I didn't do anything wrong. I was parked well within the lines. Right, but... And, and I wasn't... I'm not hitting anybody's car. I just... I do find it funny to be like, I tried to reason with him, but he's too far gone. Like, you started cursing no, 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 at I'm him. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, I'm saying fighting with him, even yelling at him. not going to do any good. Okay. Even yelling at him isn't going to accomplish anything. And I'm not going to fight this, like, old guy, but I mean, if he was going to throw hands, you know, he sometimes would have a choice. But the, what's interesting is I find as I get older, I'm more interested in starting fights. Do you guys feel like that at all? Uh, I mean, I've no. been that way since like the, I was not, 10. Not, not interested in starting fights, but I'm more likely to, if someone's doing something that's bothering me, I'm less likely to just be like, I should just keep my mouth you're, you're, you have Your filter is weakening. Yeah, I'm more saying. likely yeah. to go, hey, what is your problem, huh? Yeah. Like, I, I, I never used to be like that, but as I've gotten older in the last couple of years, I'm just more likely to be like, no, come on. You're going to double park like that. Take up that both of those whole spaces right at the front of the building. And then you're going to whack my car while I'm sitting in it with your door. You have two spaces worth of room to not hit someone's car with your door. Jerk. Now he's mad at us. I, no, he, <laughs> look, I can't, I, I can't, I can't criticize because I would have had the same reaction. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who are you talking I, I would have had the same reaction. I would have rolled down the window and said something. I don't know what, but yeah, there, just, you, you, I don't care. If you're able to travel and go out and about, then you're able to not slam your door into someone else's car. Yeah. Get him. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
fact, coming up on 235 here on DGS, Dave out for the rest of the year celebrating the holidays with family. He'll be back on January 2nd. The rest of the gang is still here, obviously, doing business as usual. Uh, happy to have Jeff McCausland joining us. The Colonel, of course, is CBS Radio's national security consultant. Uh, we always appreciate your time, Colonel, uh, in advance. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Thank you for doing this. Kevin, happy holidays to you. And I'm actually going to be coming out to St. Louis and filming by the station, I hope, on the 28th or 29th. Oh, look at that. I'll be here on the 28th or 29th. I'm looking forward to meeting you. I wish I wish it was baseball cool. season, Colonel. We'd take you out to a Cardinals game. That'll work. That'll work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look forward to seeing you, seeing you in person next week. And obviously, you've been a great friend of the station for a very long time. And not only have we talked to you a number of times, but I've heard you on all the shows over the years of, on here over the years. So it'll be great to see you uh, in person next week. Unfortunately, it feels like every time we have to talk, it's because there are bad things happening in the world that involve military action. That's, of course, your area of expertise. And unfortunately, we're kind of in that position now talking about the Israel-Gaza conflict or the Israel-Palestine conflict in Gaza. Give us just a little bit of an overview from your point of view, like where we are now. Um, We know that there's been a lot of action taken since October the 7th. Uh, you're at a point now where it, I'm sure it continues, and we see the stories every day where there are terrible things continuing to happen. Where is this in your mind, and are we still looking at a long haul here? I think we're looking at a long haul here, Kevin, because, first of all, we're at about 76, 77 days in this conflict right now on the ground. Uh, the Israelis would describe their operations in the northern half of Gaza as clearing operations, consolidation operations, where they initially invaded coming in from the north and coming in from the east. Major combat operations are continuing in the south, and I think on the last 24 hours, it's something that does something like 200 airstrikes in the southern half of the Gaza Strip. Overall, estimates are maybe as many as uh, 20,000 Palestinians have been killed, and over 50,000 have been injured uh, in this onslaught. And the humanitarian situation for the 2.2 million people in the Gaza Strip is just a catastrophe. Shortages of water, food, basic medical supplies, any type of infrastructure you can imagine is almost non-existent for the people uh, in the Gaza Strip. More broadly, I think one of the problems the Israelis are having is they're losing support around the world as Mm. the world watches this onslaught and watches the plight uh, of the Palestinian population. And more and more, the question keeps coming up, what happens the day after? How do you create a political environment that might stabilize the situation and not cause this to reoccur? This is the fourth or fifth war between uh, Hamas and Israel in the last uh, couple of decades. Then beyond that, I'm looking at the more larger region and concerns about escalation. We've had this increasing violence in attacks by the Houthis against shipping coming through the Red Sea. The United States has now formed an international coalition of naval vessels to provide security for that passage. This has uh, reduced the a passage by major capital ships, oil tankers, big cargo ships who are now diverting and going around the southern part of Africa, which could, over time, increase things like oil prices and everything else, uh, plus the possibility of a U.S. ship being uh, struck and how we would react. In northern Israel, of course, Hezbollah continues to strike Israel with artillery and rockets, so another focal point and potential for escalation. And we've seen dramatic expansion of violence on the west bank of the Gaza, of, of the west bank of Israel, of Palestinian groups, and several hundred Palestinians have been killed. Several thousand have been interned. And then, last but not least, of course, U.S. military forces in Iraq and Syria 
have been struck repeatedly by Shiite militia groups supporting uh, Hamas as well. These are sponsored by Iran. And our, our guys have been hit over 100 times since this war began with no major casualties. But one worries about that happening and potential escalation and the possibility of any of these events then spilling out of control and you having a larger regional conflict. Well, it sounds like a lot, and it obviously is. And, you know, look, the, the horror in, in Gaza is, is it's hard to see. Look, we're all seeing the video, and I think in this way it's very different than almost any other major conflict. Every, every time we advance further technologically, these things become more and more in your living room, on your phone, in front of you every single day. And we have the stories of, you know, the Israeli hostages um, that were shot by the IDF, the, the, the concept of friendly fire being involved. How do you, I don't know if there's a way, but how do you sort through friend versus foe, hostages versus hostiles, uh, and then obviously knowing that civilians are being used as human shields to prevent you from furthering your mission? Really hard. Having been in combat, even with guys in uniform, that's hard. And you get into periods of reduced visibility at night, no lights because there's no infrastructure. It becomes more and more complicated. You're operating in a heavily urbanized environment, perhaps one of the most urbanized environment on the planet. When this war began, there was roughly 10,000 people per square mile in the Gaza Strip. As they have uh, flee uh, south as the Israelis advanced, uh, they being the Palestinians. Now you've got more civilians concentrated in an ever smaller region, which makes that problem even more and more complicated as you try to move forward. And then on top of that, of course, you've got troops who are tired, weary, have been in combat now for a couple of months. Uh, they're pretty wore out. Uh, and last but not least, of course, and this is not, this is not a critique, it's just a reality, uh, a large percentage of the Israeli forces being employed uh, are, in fact, uh, reservists right. who may or may not be as well-trained as some of the active forces. In many ways, I also think the way the Israelis are conducting uh, hostilities is because of Israeli longstanding concern for high levels of casualties on their side. One way to keep your casualty levels down, use more bombing, use more artillery. Uh, but obviously that then raises a greater risk of civilian casualties. For our part, Colonel, and, and I don't mean you know you and me. I mean obviously the the, the higher ups that are advising um, Israel's military, advising uh, Netanyahu on how to handle this. What what lessons could we learn, or could we pass along to them based on what we learned in Iraq, in particular, uh, with you know with with actions similar to like what happened in Fallujah? Yeah, well, we learned in Fallujah, and I was in Fallujah shortly after the fighting. It was a city of about 200,000, but most of the people had fled. Right. But it still took us about six weeks, about 100 killed in action, about 500 wounded, to move through Fallujah. And the other thing about Fallujah was, uh, as I recall, I didn't see many cities or many buildings taller than three stories, whereas in, in Gaza Strip, and you've seen the video in the film, yeah. and pictures, you have multi-story apartment buildings, which makes this whole problem even more complicated because in an urban environment, you have to go through every room, every closet, every basement, every attic to make sure that those you're fighting have not hidden in those areas. They have hidden weapons, explosives, et cetera, to come back and retrieve later. And then furthermore, in the Gaza Strip, it's further complicated by the tunnel system mm -hmm. that, the, that Hamas has put in place, which some people believe may be greater than the entire British metro system in London uh, to move people underground, which makes this problem even more and more but to me, the major lesson that the Israelis have not come to grips with, and I know they talked to some of our folks, and that was 
back during the surge, our goal was to do a laser effort at destroying the leadership of al-Qaeda and those groups we were fighting using special operations forces, laser-guided munitions, about half the bombs Israel has dropped are so-called dumb bombs or unguided weapons, and then find a political partner that we could work with on the ground in Iraq and try to peel the population away from the terrorist group. And this is the one thing so far the Netanyahu government has totally refused to do, and that is find that political partner on the Arab side that you can negotiate with and over time peel the Palestinian population away from from the, the terrorist group. Um, uh, and as in doing that, you are moving yourself towards two things. One is there are reports that Hamas amongst the Palestinian population, for example, in the West Bank, is more popular now than it has ever been. And number two, you're leading yourself down a trail to uh, occupation of this area. And now you're talking about putting 50 to 60,000 Israeli soldiers <clears throat> in the Gaza Strip and just keeping them there indefinitely to just control the population after violence has dropped off. It's such a, a fascinating thing to look at, and I really appreciate your perspective on this because obviously you've been there and seen it and been a part of the meetings that go into coordinating these efforts. But, in, you know, I, re I reference our actions in the past 20, 25 years, either in Iraq or in Afghanistan, and uh, the obvious clear difference is, yeah, but our home is all the way over here. We're on the other side of the world Israel is there, and when this is over, they're still going to be there, and they're still going to have the same countries and populations of people surrounding them in that area. And I guess this may be too much of a question, but if it is, you just shoot it down. But what does a win look like in all of this 20 years from now? That's exactly the problem. And I've been in Israel for this war and talked to Israelis about this <clears throat> and uh, telling them, what are you trying to accomplish? Because military capabilities are a means to an end, but not an end. Uh, for many years, I will tell you, Israeli officers I talked to referred to fighting Hamas as, as uh, mowing the grass. And every couple of years, we have to go down and mow the grass just to bring a period of quiet, but knowing full well we're going to go back and mow the grass again. And that's pretty cynical, but that's exactly how they looked at it. Uh, but that puts you in that endless cycle of violence. And unfortunately, I think it was summed up pretty well by a former head of Mossad who early in this conflict said, you know, at the rate we're going, we're going to be fighting their grandchildren. Because in many ways, if you keep this up, all you're doing really is ensuring that you have alienated the next generation or two generations against Israel. And we're in a, in a constant fight with, with them uh, in the future. That's definitely how it feels looking at it from afar, and obviously that the goal is not that. But I guess then we'll close on this. I don't. This may be more of a statesmanship or political question than a military question. But does this come down to maybe somehow finding a way, ideally in a non-military fashion, keeping Iran from being involved with these other groups? I don't know how you do it. Clearly, if it was able to be done easily, it would be done already. But is that more of a longer-term solution than direct conflict? Yeah, it should be. There's no two ways about it. And when I said peeling the population around away from the terrorist group, I want to stress that ain't easy. <laughs> that ain't easy. <laughs> but it still it seems to be a better alternative. Iran has, in many ways, assembled what they call the axis of resistance. That is Shiite militia groups operating in Iraq and in Syria. That is Hezbollah, which is a larger military force, oh, by the way, than Hamas. That's Hamas in uh, the Gaza Strip. That's the Houthis down in, in Yemen. 
and our ability to break up that particular alliance and break up those proxies away from Iran would be a very, very useful thing to focus on. But that uh, that uh, group has been pretty well cemented over periods, a long periods of time and in a number of past wars, and that's just going to be a difficult proposition. Colonel, we always appreciate your time. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you when you're in the building next week. We'll wish you a happy new year then, but in the meantime, enjoy the holidays, enjoy Christmas, and safe travels when you're coming here. Happy holidays to everybody out there in St. Louis. Thank you so much. That's Colonel Jeff McCausland, CBS Radio National Security Consultant. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm doing the music. We had a computer freeze up. We normally have music and it froze, so we're just going to start talking. DGS on a Thursday. Uh, We got uh, three of us here. Dave is obviously out until January the 2nd. The rest of us are still hanging tight. Um, Rach, you had a story that I saw, and I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling anger about the target checkout line, if what you're saying is true. Oh, yeah. They want to change the target policy uh, where if you are using the self-checkout, you have to have 10 items or less. Why? Um, I guess because, you know, that's a good question, Kevin. Let me pull up the thing here. <laughs> because the way I'm thinking I knew it, it earlier this. and I forgot. If I have to go wait in the longer line with people that have baskets full of stuff to buy 13 things, I'm not going to Target. That's what a lot of people online are saying. The story is mostly about people complaining online about the fact that they're implementing this policy. Um, but uh, let's see. So the this new policy was meant to create shorter wait times for customers because I guess so many people were going through the self-checkout with a ton of things in their cart mm-hmm. and taking forever. And I've definitely seen that happen. Sure. Like you get in line for the self-checkout and someone has two carts worth of stuff and it's like, what are we doing here, people? Like, get in line and just have someone scan you who's going to be able to be faster. But they, they want to implement this policy to make shorter wait times, but for a lot of people, that's just not the case because Target is then not also opening up more checkout lanes. That's how you solve right, that problem. Right. If you only have two lanes open with uh, a Target employee checking people out, then, yeah, it's going to take forever to get all of this stuff done. So... That's something to keep an eye out for with your local target. I highly doubt they'll actually have someone enforcing that, Um, you know, like counting all of your items. That seems like a waste of manpower, but it also just this whole thing just seems like a pain in the in the neck. Why is it 10? It's a great question. Why not 20 or 20 or 25? At least that's a reasonable, manageable number, right? It's not a full cart with 60s things in there, 70 things in there where that person might end up holding up that particular line forever. Mm-hmm. But like 10 is not, how many times do you go to a place like that and get 10 things? Uh, for me, honestly, pretty often, but I live near a Target. So okay. it's like, oh, I'll just run in and get two or three things and leave. Yeah, I don't normally, I don't know. I, I'm not great at grocery shopping. So I don't do a lot of like big shops where I go in and I will get like, a hundred things in a basket. It's more just like, because, you know, it's just my wife and I, so it's normally just like, I don't know, 10 things or less, 12 things or less. Yeah, but there are times, I mean, like, just as an ex- just as an example, you're running in there and 
they've got Gatorades on sale or they got something. You're going to grab a bunch of these things because you're getting the good deal right now. Mm-hmm. If I have 13, I, and I, I, you know, I'll go through a 10 or less with 13 things. But the idea that you're not going to do more to accommodate people and you're going to limit that is it's silly to me. I mean, yeah. if I, I think a limit is fine, but why is it that far down the list of spectrum? Like what, 20 or 25 would cover most target shopping trips, right? I would think so, but I, I think the issue there is it's just so much harder to, not so much harder, but to just quickly count 25 things. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this seems easier on an, an associate to be like, hey, you have too much. Um, it does seem like, I mean, this is just me speculating, but it does seem like they're trying to cut it down to only people with baskets using the self-checkout or because... Like the hand-carried baskets. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get a lot in there. That's fine with me. <laughs> I know. How many times do you go to like Schnooks or Target or something and you're using the basket and you're like, I can do it. I can get everything in the basket. I don't need a cart. And then by the end of the trip, you're like, oh, <laughs> my arm is about to break off uh, or the basket is about to break. Uh, Last time I got a basket, I decided to get four twelve. Packs of soda. So, there you go. Yeah. So very recently, I have done that <laughs> mm, every time I go. Yeah. yeah. Every single time. Every time I go, I'm, I'm, like, I'm cart. just getting five things. I'm gonna get this stupid basket, and I'm like, oh, but the Mountain Dew's on sale. <laughs> oh, Gatorade's on sale. So I'm gonna put them all together, and uh, uh, invariably, as I'm coming up, they're like, Are you sure you don't want a cart? And I gotta be like, No, no, I'm fine. Man. I'm a I'm man. Kevin's dragging the basket along the ground. That's why the the little half carts at Schnooks are the best because they're you're they're easy to manipulate through the aisles and stuff, but you get, you know, you're not carrying anything. So those are those are nice. I need the full size ones because if I have to ram another cart, I need the Well, mm -hmm. sure. You need to wait. You and Andrew are just looking for reasons to fight with people in public. (laughs) If your cart's in the middle of the thing, it's getting shoved. (laughs) Not too hard. Like I'm not you know, it's not trying to damage anything. Just I'm not, oh, I'm knocking little, stuff. I'm knocking stuff off the shelf. Just a little wake up call, like, hey, I wish they had horns. Little horns, beep, yeah, beep, beep. or like spikes. <laughs> that would be even. No, I meant, I meant like a like oh, a like noise. a horn. I thought you meant like to hurt people. I was like, my goodness, <laughs> wheels. We're taking this pretty. Like a, you thought you meant like a cow catcher. To, <laughs> yes. <laughs> to people I would definitely take that too. No, just a but little. if they had a little beep beep, that would be nice. Too. And, and if we wanted it to be a little less hostile, we could make it the Roadrunner beep. Me 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 Way better than the. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.